when you go out there and you start looking for a job, there's going to be no one who can compete with you. They don't have your mindset. They don't know what it's like to be a wrestler, the star, you know, and basically go against a guy that's supposed to be better than you and you end up beating them. Most people, they, they end up giving up. So what we do, we push beyond the barrier. And that's what life is. Reach your potential as a human being. And you're going to take that mindset to business and whatever, you, whatever else you do. And you're going to promote the sport because at the end of the day, people are going to hear that, wow, man, that guy used to be a wrestler. Hey, guys, this and every episode is sponsored by Spartan Combat. They're our title sponsor. And we're working on a really cool project together. I'm going behind the scenes with Kyle Dake, Yanni, Vito, and Gabe Dean starting Sunday as they make their final push to become Olympians. We're going to record the whole thing, and episodes will be released every day next week starting Monday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Again, next Monday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, episode one of our video documentary series called Tokyo Dreams Goes Live. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort it humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Welcome to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast, folks. Happy Friday. Today we are graced by the great Buddy Lee, wrestling Olympian, jump roping extraordinaire, this guy has made an entire career out of being a world-class jump roper, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear this episode. Fan of the week goes to my man, Brian Luke. That's at Lukey underscore Skywalk on Twitter. We appreciate all the support. Thank you very much. That's it, folks. Let's get to the interview with the great Buddy Lee. Peace! Buddy Lee. Lee the Flea, as we've heard from past podcasts, welcome to the show, my friend. <laughs> How are you doing, Ryan? Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Doing great. I'm so excited to talk to you. I was just talking off air. I purchased one of your jump ropes back at the 03 Tulsa Nationals, and I, I kept it with me for a long time. My brother had one, too. Uh, it had a big impact on me. And, man, when I look at this conversation, there's, there's, the, there's the businessman, there's the jump roping talent. Then there's the Olympic wrestler. And so we're going to hit on all those buckets, but let's just go, uh, let's go back to you. You know, we're about a week out from the Olympic trials. When did you first catch the Olympic bug? Well, I would say I got the Olympic bug, you know, after graduating from Old Dominion University, going into the U.S. Marine Corps, hurrah, 
And um, I think after my third year or so, I think I won the national title and I uh, defeated Dylan Wasman from Minnesota, University of Minnesota. And um, he was returning Olympian and I defeated him in the finals of the nationals at eight, two. And I say, wow, maybe I have a chance. And, you know, I was a freestyler. I still, you know, making, making the transition from college to international wrestling. I mean, I knew nothing about Greco and, but I went on a Greco team. So I still thought I was going to be trying out for the Olympic trials for freestyle. But when I won the national title against Dylan Wiseman, um, I figured that, okay, I had a chance. And then in 88, I won the Olympic trials. You know, we had the longest overtime wrestling match. Of course, they didn't want to see a, a freestyle or beat a Greco guy. So they made sure I didn't win. So we, we went into a 19 minutes and 58 seconds overtime wrestling match that took, stood for about 20 years. Mm-hmm. So that was the bug. Man, and we're going to talk about that 88 trials because it seems like a huge turning point in your life. But um, I just found it so fascinating that you – you know, you went to ODU and, and were a freestyler before getting into Greco. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, you know, you know, I was under um, legendary Billy Martin Jr. Uh, you know, I came from the Grammy School of Wrestling. So, you know, that system really didn't teach Greco-Roman moves. They studied all the legendary uh, wrestlers like Stan Desick, Lloyd Keezer, and, uh, you know, different guys like that. And they kind of you know, taught those techniques in the wrestling camp, but never, never much in Greco until I saw Daryl, Daryl Burley <laughs> in Lehigh. He Man. did a lot of the throws. Yes. Respect to Daryl Burley, one of the four-time finalists. Unbelievable. Yes. Uh, talent. Amazing talent. Man, you go back to some of those brackets. I was looking back. I think it was, uh, what year were you 41 and one, 80 or 82? Your sophomore 40, year. Sophomore year, yes. Okay, was, so you know, eighty, still young guy. Yeah, and you had a a brutal bracket. Your first round match, the uh, the guy's name's escaping me now, but he was a U.S. Open champion. Then you beat Jim Gibbons in OT. I mean, my lord, those those were some fun brackets back then. Eighty, yeah, yeah. I can't recall that long, but I I do recall beating Gibbons I, from Iowa State. Right, he was a national champion. Yeah. Well, oh, the I, first I round you had Billy Nugent, and then you beat Jim Gibbons. Yeah, but it's just oh, like it, man. yeah loaded yeah loaded and then uh, i mean you know these guys uh, from like the big eight uh, big 10 schools and stuff i you know i really never heard anything about them i just took every match one match at a time and you know of course you know from i think it was eastern regionals you know i think it's pretty i don't know how tough it was but it you know for me it was very very tough because I didn't really have the workout partners that I needed to be at that level to compete with these guys all the time. So I had to go up to train with 150 pounders and practice to just get a workout. And then after everybody left, I would stay two hours later. <laughs> I couldn't get anybody to stay with me. And I had to, and that's how I developed my jump rope stuff, <laughs> you know, uh, training and that. conditioning. Well, you know, um, you know, I, you know, I was, I was introduced to the rope as a grasshopper at 14 years of age when I first discovered the greatest sport on the planet, wrestling, as a ninth grader. Ooh, and ooh. Um, and uh, saved my life, uh, allowed me to go to college on a full wrestling scholarship, and I was introduced by a martial artist. And um, he taught me the two basic skills, and I spent five hours learning how to jump, being light on the balls of my feet. Didn't put that rope down after that. And then I became the school's first state champion and just kept that into my training every day 
anytime when I wrestle, I jump. I jump before and after practices and stuff and, um, and took it to Old Dominion University. And uh, it still was a very integral part of my wrestling. And then I just realized that this thing gave me advantages in speed, quickness, agility, explosive power, conditioning, weight loss, everything I needed to be the best wrestler I could be. And man, you want to talk about something amazing, watching your TikTok videos of you jumping and even some of your videos from the, you know, there's tons of them on YouTube. Absolutely amazing. We're going to get into that part of it. Um, but I got to go back to this gentleman you just mentioned who he was your neighbor. He taught you uh, first how to jump rope. And I heard this on the back points podcast, which that interview yes. was awesome. Episode 17. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. So go check that out. But you describe this person as like the uh, the Bruce Lee of your neighborhood. Why? Why? Why did you use that word? <laughs> well, everybody knows that. I don't think people really understand how the, the impact that Chinese people have on the black community. First of all, we we love Chinese people. I mean, Bruce Lee, to me, he was a god. And um, he I had a poster of him on the uh, on, on my wall. And I remember it was that picture of the I think in the Fist of Fury where he has those claw marks on his on his chest. And um, and Bruce Lee, man, you know, I just did everything that I thought I could do to be a great athlete. And I did. That's when I started a thousand pushups a night and stuff like that. But I was so blessed to have this guy next door to me named Mr. Rainey. And, you know, this guy's fourth degree black belt. And every day I mean, you see this guy running miles and miles, doing pushups, lifting weights, breaking bricks, doing <laughs> stretches and stuff. And one day I saw Mr. Rainey jumping rope. And this is the first time I've ever seen a guy jump rope before. So he was in the front yard doing some cool things with the ropes. And I went up to him, it was a true story. And I said, hey, Mr. Rainey. He looked at me, he said, yes, grasshopper. I said, Mr. Rainey, can you show me how to jump? He said, sure, I'll show you how to jump, but you gotta remember this. Buddy, you gotta be light on the balls of your feet. And if you can hear your feet hit the floor, you're jumping too hard. He put this rope in my hand. It was like made of cloth, had little wooden handles and he left. Ryan, I spent the next five hours trying to master the jump, being light on the balls of my feet. I was making mistakes. I was tripping over the rope. And I said, man, I, I'm going to get this thing down because I knew that if I could master this jump rope, it can make me a better wrestler. And so I focused, concentrated on my breathing, stayed upright, pushing light on the balls of my feet, jumping high enough to clear the rope. And after five hours, I mastered that skill and um, never put it down. And it became the key to my success in wrestling. And Mr. Rainey, thank you. Hey, that's an amazing story. And I just love hearing about, you know, young kids who find someone to look up to because, you know, without the internet back in, back in the day or, or without, you know, books or yes. whatever, you were just, you were starred for sources of inspiration and, and people uh, who wrestled in the eighties talk about anytime they found a single article about Gable or whoever, they would just devour it. Cause that's all they had. And so you had this like, kind of mentor quasi mentor living next door um and that obviously impacted the rest of your life let's just spend a second on this though you yes. talk about bruce lee my dad says he was you know just an idol to him kind of like muhammad ali why was That's bruce right. lee so popular back then because i don't think people in my generation can appreciate it um i think because first of all i mean when i looked at bruce lee i was like i saw myself it's like man i can be like that he was he wasn't a big guy 
And um, he had the same kind of body I had. And so I used to try to get those stomach muscles and all that other stuff. And I used to do a thousand pushups a night, you know, and sets of hundreds. And oh, yeah, that's, you know, from uh, like 13, started at 13 years of age and stuff. This is that became the foundation for my strength and conditioning pushups, sit ups, pull ups, and jump rope. Because I had nothing. I was one of six kids. My mom raised six kids by herself. We didn't have much. So that was my weight training until I saved enough money to buy my first weight set. But I think Bruce Lee, because they did an amazing job, I, I believe because the Asians came to Hollywood and say, hey, if you're going to teach martial arts, this is where you're going to have to do it. And it's just like going into the Black community. You know, it's like, hey, you want to learn break dancing? Okay, let, let the black community show you how it's done. <laughs> and it's the same thing with Asians. I think that they knew how to film and knew how to make it dramatic. And whatever he did, he inspired a lot of black kids. And because of that, I, I just think the love for Asians and stuff like that was because of a guy like Bruce Lee. He was the first Chinese guy I ever saw. And I love Chinese. And so it's always my dream to meet a Chinese person. So <laughs> when I got to go to China, we, I took Mr. Rainey with me when I went to China about five years, seven years ago, and we went to visit Bruce Lee, his, um, his uh, monument and everything. So I took that guy wow. as a trip, as a thank you to China because I manufacture my ropes in China. So- Full circle. And I got to tell you, the 10-year-old Chinese jump roper who set the world record for the fastest skips, I can't think of his name. I, I encountered him during my research. That is amazing. Like the amount of... Yeah. The generation of kids you've inspired. I mean, all over the world, kids are tagging you in videos, though. Yes, I had no idea. Um, China, I was over there, and the Chinese companies say, hey, can you be the ambassador for China for jump rope? So this company <laughs> took me all around China, and I went to the school of that kid, and I did a jump rope performance for them. And I never experienced anything like it except for in Japan. But after I did a performance, I was attacked by the kids. Attacked by the crazy kids. crazy or what? Yeah, to go crazy, just like like you're some superstar. And I feel sorry for these guys that are movie stars or whatever. I know what it's like. I experienced that a few times, and it's like scary. And I was being tagged by little kids pulling on me. And I looked at the teacher and said, help me. Somebody help me. I don't know what to do. There were little teeny things. And that kid was one of those kids. <laughs> he was one of those kids. And then later on, he was using one of the ropes that this, this company manufactured, and he was using the ropes. And then they start showing me pictures of him that you came to his school and, and I was his, his idol. And this kid now, he was like one of the fastest, the fastest jumper on the planet, jumping as much as 7.2 revolutions per second. I don't know if you guys understand what that means, but mm-hmm. go out and jump 30 seconds or one minute and see how many jumps you do in one minute and multiply that by seven, seven times 60. That's what gives you his number of jumps. I wrote it 7. down 2 here. 7.2 times 60. 108 skips in 30 seconds for the world record. Unbelievable. 100 and what? 108. Uh, it said 108. I don't know what like they're referring to. Maybe like ropes around the head in 30 seconds. 108. Then that's like 200. Not yeah. That's two. You multiply by two. The the okay. jump rope community they count 108. They count the right foot. But what they should do because you got to communicate to the the audience out there that 108 means times two. And then you get 216 jumps in 30 seconds. And then you divide 30 seconds into 2008 and 208 and see how many jumps you get. That's above my pay grade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's seven times three, almost almost seven jumps per second. It's about six something. Wow. So yeah, you, it's amazing. You, you're, I mean, in, in a sense, 
going back to China and now you're an inspiration for all these kids, just like Bruce Lee was for you. It's such a crazy full circle to me. Um, let me let me just start off. I want to say something. First, I want to congratulate the NCAAs, our wrestling family, our wrestling community. Um, it's an amazing brotherhood. You know, um, I just, the sport has done so much for me in life as, as far as developing me as a man. And then the skills that I use outside of the sport. Um, congratulations to everybody that qualified for the NCAAs, which is a very task, serious task. Uh, coaches, um, athletes, the champions of the NCAAs, and then I, the African-Americans that, you know, I think there were five, I mean, what amazing um, accomplishment, you know, because I mean, there were times where you could just, I just remember the Nate Cars and Kenny Mundys and, you know, uh, Lee Kemp and Chris Kevin Campbell. Jackson's, but yeah, yeah. Chris Campbell, he wasn't, he was uh, after, after, before my time, but still just, that's just a great accomplishment. And just to show that, you know, these young kids are seeing other black role models in the sport. And uh, we need to have more uh, black kids, Spanish kids, all kinds of kids in the sport, because this sport can make us great citizens, make us better people. And I, I believe that if we could get our whole nation, you know, wrestling, just a little bit, like going to the military for one year, it'll do so much as far as developing the character, the mindset, the, uh, the responsibility as a human being for human beings uh, without, without really driving it in their heads. You already, you know, have this as part of who you are. And I just think it's a great sport. Buddy so, Lee, we got to get you to beat the street Chicago, man. I, I'm involved with that organization. You would be uh, just do incredibly well with, with that audience, man, you're just such a good speaker. Get me excited. Um, I, I, you know, uh, Ryan, I just like to say this. Um, if you can't talk about your passion, um, cause I used to study when I was a kid, but I learned how to talk about what it was that I love. And, um, you know, I think that when you get these guys that finish the sport, um, and when they think about the things they go through in life, you know, they can bring tears to the eyes because if we didn't have a sport like this to teach us about, the fact that life isn't fair, but the universe has put everything inside of you to be amazing and be great and you can do anything. And, um, you know, this sport allows you to do that. And, you know, and it allows you to be one-on-one -on -one and allows you, you know, to go back and prepare yourself the right way even if you lose, I don't think there's no such thing as a loss. I just think that it's a lesson to become greater. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's a lesson. And um, I mean, we're just learning so much about life and learning about ourselves. What, what better sport than wrestling? Right. <laughs> yeah. And when you talk about, you know, big, uh, big impacts on your life, I have to think that the 88 trials was one of the biggest turning points in your life in the sense of, you know, it, you didn't make the team you refocused yourself, you rededicated yourself and really went all in on Greco at that point. You know, when you think back to the 88 trials and, and how it influenced your life, what comes to mind? Well, 88 Olympic trials, guys, I want to say first, it was a toss off. I thought I was going freestyle Olympics. <laughs> and then I decided last minute to say, okay, I'm going to go Greco because <laughs> I went to freestyle nationals a year before and I took fourth. And I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to concentrate in Greco a little bit. And, um, concentrating Greco and I won the pre-Olympic trials and it's like whoa didn't expect to do that because I you know Dylan Wasman was serious Olympian and Greco guy 
Then I got, I was number one um, going in. And then of course, uh, Ike Anderson won the mini tournament. And then there were some things that happened in, in, the, in the finals that were controversial and still didn't leave a good taste in my mouth. And I had an official come into my locker room and tell me some things that was going to go down against me and stuff. And I didn't really understand it. But um, um, I didn't make the Olympic team, but I was Olympic team first alternate. So <laughs> I got yep. to like say Olympic team first alternate. So I feel like I still was on the Olympic team. But um, it was a turning point because I had say that I'm not going to deal with this racism stuff anymore. And I'm, I'm finished with the sport. And then I had a gentleman come into the locker room and saw how down I was. And he was, you know, he, he liked me as a person. He was affiliated with Old Dominion. I think his name was uh, Steve Brown. And he just talked to him and gave me some courage and words because I didn't have much of a support system back then. And, um, and it was enough. He said the right things to, that, that motivate me to recommit and, uh, and fight for my dream. And my message to you wrestlers, never, ever let anyone take your dream away. The only person who can take your dream away is you. And so I made that commitment and say, hey, I'm going to get to know these officials so they can know what kind of person I am. I'm going to learn Greco-Roman and learn it better. And from 88 to 92, that was part of the journey and, and, and mission. And um, I did real well on the international level. I almost made the finals of the world championships, should have been in there, took top four in the world right before the Olympic Games. Won a national title, beat Ike, beat him one time uh, in those four years. And then we, uh, we didn't see each other again until 92. What a, and we, again, another, it's just wrestling. You always find these connections. It's just like the fact that you wrestled him again in 92 is so crazy to me. Um, and so folks who aren't super close to the story in 88, you wrestled Ike in the trials uh, in the second match. It was like somehow they hit you for stalling in overtime. And that's how it was decided. So um, that I, would, I can't even remember, Ryan. I didn't even remember. I never looked at the match. I never I watched seen the it match this morning. That. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. If you can send that to me because I never wrestled watch any of my wrestling matches since i left uh wrestling just maybe a couple just recently because of dr dave bennett but yeah i never watched my matches yeah it was uh it was an odd odd way for a match to end um yep. and i was there in 04 when that greco match probably surpassed that one but you know it did wow. end with a, a score um but so in 88 your, your dreams are crushed you don't have much of a support system this guy comes into your locker room was that like the day of the tournament or weeks after Oh no! Right, right. No, the locker room in the in the at the Olympic trials, uh, at the Olympic trials. Where I, I think it was in Florida. Maybe he came in to talk to me afterwards because I was down, and um, and they threw my coach out of the corner because he protested the calls and stuff like that. And they threw him out of the corner, and he wasn't really. I mean, he was just a coach. He didn't really, you know, he wasn't really that knowledgeable about Greco in terms of really being a Greco guy. He was just a great coach as far as motivating us. And they threw him out of the corner. So I had nobody. <laughs> and, um, but anyway, hey, let me just say this, man. Um, all these things makes you who you are today. And mm -hmm. I think they're responsible for the great things that happen to you in your life. And you got to have setbacks because setback is an opportunity to come back three times stronger. And that's what I did. I became Olympian because of that. And I had to have a lesson like that to define what it is that you have inside. So every wrestler, and whether you want, lost the nationals, second, third, or fourth, no, man, you didn't lose. This is so much knowledge in, 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 in the, uh, the decision 
so much knowledge about yourself or what you got to do better, how you prepare. And for the next four years, that's what I had to do, prepare myself, become smarter, and just watching films of Ike and who beat him and how did I beat him in, the, you know, in matches before or guys that have defeated him. And um, in 92, it was all me. Man. I did the best two out of three, two zero, two zero. How do you beat a guy that you've been wrestling against maybe like 10 times? How do you defeat him? And he's got one of the best coaches in the country, Joe DeMeo, mm-hmm. who's the, the, the late Joe DeMeo. Great guy, great coach, had great wrestlers, Sean, Sean Sheldon, um, uh, the 49-pounder, Ike Anderson, and just on up the weight, just a great coach. Well coach, and how do you beat this guy? And you're your own coach. Nobody's coached me. I, my own coach. I'm studying videos of Russians and other athletes to learn Greco. And, um, and putting things together when it really matters. And I tell you, that's what wrestling is for me, is fighting with everything inside of you to make your dream come true. And at the end of the day, you can say, I did it. And I did it my way. And I succeeded. And to make that dream come true for you, hit us with your workout regimen in those years leading up to 92. What did a day in the life look like for you? Okay, guys, <laughs> this is what happens when you don't really have a coach and you don't have anybody to stand back. U.S. Marine Corps, our job is to wrestle. So our job is, I think, is six-hour day, six, seven-hour day of wrestling. When these guys left practice, I trained another five hours by myself. And that's where the jump rope came in, three hours of jumping, running, miles, doing the calisthenics, lifting weights. So I train anywhere from 10 to 12 hours a day for the next four years to become an Olympian. And so the mindset is you eat, you sleep, you drink your passion, your mission, your goal. You eat, you sleep, you drink. It's like meditation. It's focus. This is what commitment is. It's like life or death. I hate to say it, but it's life and death because it means that much to you. And um, that's, these are the things that are necessary for, you know, going to the next level. And when you don't have, you know, a coach telling you what you're doing right or wrong or somebody looking at your wrestling, when you're not in that environment where you got great coaching or technicians or, you know, guys that, that can push you, you have to do these extra things. But yes, I had a great team because we're five-time national champions. And I never trained with my 36 pounders. I always trained with 49 pounders and 63. Mm-hmm. So my workout partners were 49 pounders, and they were like top one, two, and three in the country. Wow. So a- 12 hours a day. And then what what sticks out to me is your enthusiasm and 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 passions for for whatever you're focused on at the time. Back then it was wrestling. Now it's 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 your business and jumping. Um, but were there ever days where you woke up and didn't feel the motivation to train? And if so, how did you get over that? <laughs> Ryan, that's life, man. Let, let me tell you something, guys out there. I wrestled to become an Olympian so that I could do what I really love. And that's share a jump rope to the world. To teach people through the power of a jump rope that they too are champions in life. And you can't show everybody how to wrestle. Mm-hmm. But when I jump rope, people got excited. And they wanted to learn how to jump or how to do this. And I felt like, wow, man, this is my way to, to reach people. So my, my motivation was, 
how do I impact people's lives? And I found it uh, with the jump rope. Um, I don't know if I answered your question. But you essentially wanted your motivation, though, was, hey, Olympics are a vehicle for me to um, you know, get some recognition so that I can then teach folks. Yeah, rope. wrestling for me was an opportunity that I had to stay committed because I was in the Marine Corps and I had to stay committed. So I signed up for another four years and um, and went to 93 before I retired. And um, I've, I believe that I needed to get a PhD in sports and Olympian status was a PhD so that I could have an impact on people's lives. So my, my, my dream was to make the transition from wrestling to jump rope and change the world with jump rope. And I had no idea how I was gonna do it, but I, you know, while I was in the Marine Corps, I was already getting jobs and doing commercials and stuff like that and doing performances, you know, because of what Gene Mills did for me one day. Thanks, Gene. What's that? Real quick, back in 19, I don't know, 80s, so long ago, Ryan, you're making me feel old. But Gene Mills and a lot of wrestlers at the Olympic Training Center was training. They had the freestylers and Greco-Roman guys together. So it was like great family. And all the wrestlers, they, they loved my jump rope. So Gene Mills and them, they went out to a club or something. They talked to the manager and say, hey, there's a dance contest. Hey, can a guy come in and jump rope as part of the dance? And the manager said, yes. So they all came back to the Olympic Training Center and said, buddy, we're going out to a club on Thursday, man. We want you to come out and um, do the jump rope as a dance contest. And they, they're going to be paying like $100. And I say, okay, okay. So we got about like 30, 40 wrestlers and we went out to the club and I did my mime stuff with the jump rope and stuff and um, got in and did, did, did the mime thing and then jump rope and won the contest. Split the money with Gene. Next day, the USOC did a press release. ABC, CBS came in the following day. They did a press. They did a, a, a live thing on me across the nation. And next thing you know, my phone started ringing across the nation. I was flying to Japan like a month or so later to do the first international commercial for like $40,000, crazy stuff. And it's never stopped, Ryan. That was 1985, 86. The phones have never stopped ringing. And that was the turning point of my jump rope career. Thanks, Gene Mills. <laughs> Man, that's a great story. What was it like the first time you went to Japan on that trip? Wow. Like a fairy tale, never seen anything like it. Japanese, um, amazing, amazing experience. I mean, things are small, so efficient. Millions of people in Tokyo, Japan, everything's so efficient. People, nice policemen walking around with no guns, kids playing in stores by themselves, they didn't need parental guidance or anything. Um, they treated me like a king. It was just the most, one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had going to a foreign country. Wow. Love the Japanese. Love the Japanese. And so this jumper routine, I'm sure you've had a number of them over the years, but if you watch, you know, five to six year videos on YouTube, you see certain techniques are repeated. Do you have like a, like a regime in your head, like a gymnast would when you're doing it? Or is this just all kind of like free soloing as you're going? Freestyling as you know, I, you know, thanks to the Grammy School of Wrestling, you know, having the, the privilege of coming under that system, you know, the Martins and their kids and these guys are all scientific and very, very and super intelligent guys and stuff. And they created an amazing system that changed, you know, so many wrestlers lives and stuff. And that system having the privilege to be 
you know, studying under that system, it taught me a methodology of how to break things down. Mm. And, and I use that methodology in the way I teach jump rope to the whole world now. And, and what that is, is that you want to be great at something, you got to do it not 10 times, not 100 times, 100,000 times. <laughs> so all the things that you see me doing, and you see me doing stuff, excuse me, my cauliflower ears, these things don't stand. Um, you, you see me rehearsing something that I've done a thousand times and making that mind-body connection. It's the same thing with wrestling. We have to do it hundreds of thousands of times so you can do it blindfolded. It becomes like a reflex. So most of these routines you see me doing, um, this is the way I train. And I, I can do things outside of it, but I train these, uh, these moves over and over so that one, they become auto automatic, like a reflex, and they um, prevent injury. Yeah. You know, because my body's familiar with what's going, going, to, going to happen. So that's why when you see me moving real fast, everything is in control. So I jump rope the way I wrestle. In order for this to have application to my sport, I jump the way I wanted to wrestle. So I train with high intensity and this is where I train the world. And this is how I train world-class athletes from grassroots to, to the elite level. I love that. Train video. the way you want to move. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that point, you said that in that video with the black zillions, when you're down there with them, you're like, you need to jump how you fight. And I'm like, that's an interesting concept because once you start to look at some of your routines, you see more wrestling movements in there. And maybe like when you turn, I'm seeing maybe like a, like an arm spin. And so, you know, those, it's cool to have that philosophy applied to something as simple as jumping rope. That's right. Well, when you think about jumping, jumping is on the balls of the feet and, and movement and making low, low jumps and just the contact with the surface short and quick. And when you think about movements from John Smith and those guys, they're moving quick. You can't move quick, you know, picking your feet up real high. It's got to be pushing off lateral movement, start, you know, horizontal movement and stuff. And that just having the privilege of working with the black zillions, a big shout out to, our Olympic gold medalist, uh, Kenny Mundy, he brought me down there, got introduced me to the team, and I got the opportunity to work with Anthony Johnson, Rashad Evans, Vitor Belfort, and uh, what's that other guy, Kamaru or whatever, I forget his name, uh, the one that's the champion now. So I got to work with all these guys and talk to them. So it was great, great opportunity to work with MMA fighters, which were former wrestlers. Well, I got to tell you, just watching that and like, knowing the energy you bring when you're teaching a room full of you know, killers, essentially, these guys are the just the highest level, you came in there and the energy and like, the confidence you carry in your teaching, it's different than when you do it for the school. And so I love how you're able to adapt based on the room you're in. And it's like, the the energy is Buddy Lee, but I also see some, some military style coming back and you're pretty strict with it. I mean, does that all come from that Grammy system and that summer you spent there? Um, I, I think, you know, this is why I feel, Ryan, I think our sport is the military <laughs> because wrestlers excel in the military. When they go into the military, they're not just regular people. They are elite. That's why you see some of the, the, the people that served in our government, they were, they were former wrestlers. But um, uh, when I, when I coach the, the way that you have an impact on an athlete is that you have to be like that athlete. You have to be the athlete as well. So coming from a combative sport like wrestling, these guys, we're, we're part of the same family. They, I understand what their struggles are, what they have to go through. So when you're talking to these guys, you have to talk their language. That's how you make a connection with an athlete. Talk their language. You know, don't talk about jogging. Our sport is not about jogging. It's about sprinting. 
<laughs> and now they talk about sprinting for 25 minutes, <laughs> which is yeah. a whole nother level. So, I mean, you can't be jogging and turning the rope slow and think that athletes are going to get benefits from that. You train the energy system that you're going to be using. You train with the movements that you use in your sport. So wrestling is being in balls of the feet. It's the jump rope strengthens the ankles, the, the knees, this gripping strength, the reflexes, um, the ability to move from left to right, hand speed, foot speed, and then conditioning. And most importantly, concentration, because it's a multi-joint movement that incorporates so many movements at one time that you got to be so focused and, and concentrated. And tell me if that's not the same type of attitude you got to have when it comes to wrestling. So focused and concentrated. Right. <laughs> it's, uh, it's so true. And when you break it down like that, you know, when you're giving like a performance in front of, you know, 2000 people, you don't want to trip and have the rope skip on you and have to restart, you know, so that focus I'm sure carries right over. When did you go from just a world-class uh, jump roper traveling the world to a businessman and starting your own jump rope? Well, I think that it happened before I got in the, out in the Marine Corps, um, 92, um, you know, when I competed in 92 games and stuff like that, I had like, I had some bad, I had like a actually bone chips, like broken arm. I had some serious problem with the arm, but I had just beat the Olympic champion two weeks before. And, um, and then I knew that jump rope was going to be my career. I remember Jerry Shanae from Virginia Tech before he talked to the brands, he asked me to come on as a head coach for Virginia Tech. I said, thank you coach, but I'm going to pursue my jump rope dream. <laughs> and, uh, when I, before I got into the Marine Corps, I think I made, I worked, I did something for a company and I made like $40,000 for one month's work. And I say, oh man, I can, I can do this for a living. And I never looked back, Ryan. I started my company. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the, um, I'm sorry, his name, the, the no Carl Adams. Carl Adams gave me a book on business. I knew nothing about business. I got my degree in teaching. Edu secondary education. I was an artist and he gave me a book and um, that book was a business book and it showed me how to jumpstart my business. And that was a jumpstart. And I jumpstarted by sending a mail order to all of the wrestling coaches in the country, something from coach's corner or something like that. And then uh, I say, Hey, get your buddy Lee jump ropes. And all you got to do is send in the purchase order. And we had a fax back then. And Ryan, that fax machine just was something like, like a slot machine. It just faxes just started rolling in. I could not believe it. And the jump started my business. And um, that was the beginning of it. And I never did any marketing since then. And, and now I'm just only, now I have to do marketing because of the new era of digital marketing. So that's, you know, that was the beginning. And that's when I knew that I had something because of the fact that people love jump rope and they kept calling it, it the, the Buddy Lee jump rope. I was trying to call it the magic speed. We want the Buddy Lee jump rope. And then it was, it's when I got discovered by 96, I did a speech before President Bill Clinton coming back for the 96 Olympic trials. They elected me to do the speech before Bill Clinton with the champion's life on behalf of all the Olympians. And then um, I, I got a standing ovation on TV and then Olympic Training Center brought me back in and say, hey, anybody that can impress the president like you did is our guy. What do you want to do with Olympics? I said, I want to become an Olympic jump rope condition coach. And they brought in sports science and they made me the official jump rope condition coach for the Olympic teams. And then that's what's the turning point on my jump rope crusade. 
And when did you come up with the idea for the the bearing of the jump rope on the outside? Because anyone who's used your ropes know that there's a tremendous difference in the, just the efficacy at which it moves. Thank you, Ryan. It's a great question. Well, guys, that's called the swivel bearing technology. And these ropes you see, like cross ropes and all these and RX smart gear, that is my technology. We are the inventors. Myself and, and, and Paul Fischer, uh, we invented that technology working with some kids uh, that was part of our club. And they, they, we, we, in, we came up with that technology to basically help kids to jump faster. Mm. And uh, we got it patented in 1997. And then in 2000, it was discovered. And then we flew to Japan and we sold about 2 million jump ropes in one year. And, uh, and then what? that technology, yeah, yeah. They, they licensed the rope and started a craze. And then from there, we became the official jump rope for the Olympic teams. And then, then it became the, with the Olympic rings. And then we sold ropes from there. Then we became the official CrossFit uh, course, the official... U.S. Uh, what do you call it? Drug Enforcement Administration course. Then we became Michelle Obama's, you know, spokesperson for fitness, and then the jump rope became the official rope, and it goes on and on, and it hasn't stopped. And you even performed in front of the great Muhammad Ali. How did that? How did that experience come about? Well, a big shout out to the amazing Chris Campbell. I think a bronze medalist and lawyer. He became the CEO for USA Boxing because USA Boxing was having all their problems with embezzlement or whatever they was having. So they sent Chris, Chris Campbell in there. And uh, me and Chris, we sat on the board of USA Wrestling for the Athletes Advisory Committee, something like that. And uh, he became the CEO and then just say, hey, buddy, we got the Muhammad Ali coming up, man. And I want to have you come in and, and do the performance before Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Ryan, let me tell you something, brother. <laughs> that was an amazing experience. Let me tell you something. I met a lot of great people. From You can name presidents, all kinds of people, uh, you know, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, all kinds of people. But meeting Muhammad Ali and performing for him and in front of 27 countries with, you know, in front of uh, Mike Tyson, Holyfield, all these great boxers. And uh they flew me in and, and the, the, the boxing community already knew me because I did the Everlast Championships. Mm. And, uh, and I performed, they took me in the ring, two guards took me in the ring and I performed before everybody. And I guess, you know, I got a big ovation. And then Muhammad Ali told the guards, go get this guy, I wanna meet him. And they escorted me down to meet Muhammad Ali. I say, hi Muhammad Ali, he looked like my dad. He reminded me of my dad. He <laughs> say, and he, he pulled me to him and said, how do you jump so like this, man? You're the greatest jumper I've ever seen, young man. I say, Muhammad, Muhammad, can I be your jumper? Can I be your jumper? <laughs> I didn't know what it sounds so exciting like kid. He said, I want you to have dinner with me and my family tonight. And I had dinner with Muhammad Ali and his family that night. Can you imagine the experience? And let me tell you guys, I have never seen, I've never been so impressed with somebody. This man, he, he had the, uh, what, do you, what do you call it, Parkinson's. And he would give everybody an autograph and he wouldn't leave until everybody got an autograph. And everybody, as he walks through the crowd, he makes eye contact with everybody. He is just an amazing person, man. He was, he was an ambassador of just, um, just goodwill and yeah. you know, standing for human rights. And he was just an amazing person, man. Just to have the experience of being the presence and having that opportunity. I think Chris Campbell, and that was like a highlight of one of, of my career you know, one of the highlights. 
performing for this, 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 this God of a man. That's incredible. So tell me, so let's, let's deep dive on that event. So knowing that you're going to have to perform in front of the great Muhammad Ali, what's your self-talk and what's your mindset 10 minutes before you go out there? Um, I, I believe that when you've done something a hundred thousand times, it is a part of you. Um, mindset is you do what you know best and you stay true to the, the routine. You don't go outside of it. You stay to your game plan, just like a fight. <laughs> you stay to the game plan. And, um, and then, you know, I think I may have checked the surface because there's always things that can affect the outcome. And so that's why you got to kind of like do some scouting to understand the environment, the surface, the, what the atmosphere is going to be like, because that can affect your performance. <laughs> and especially when you got some, you know, prestigious, some amazing people watching you, that can also affect your performance. But when it comes to performing, it's just me and a rope. We become one. We don't see anybody. We're doing what it is that we love. And I've done it over 100,000, a million times. Ryan, I can do it with my eyes closed. I'm living my dream. When you have a chance to live your dream and, and you get called for that, the question is, when you finally get what, you're, what you've been asking for, are you ready for it? And I was ready for it. And don't you just feel like once you start doing that, living your dream, that like the seas of life just part for you like it, things open up for you because you're living out your destiny yes and uh you know let me say when you're living out your destiny um and things are happening for you um you it, it requires even more concentration focus the struggle of, of staying on top it takes is three times more you know to to, to again to top the struggle of striving for the top it takes three much three times more concentration to stay on top. That's what I'm trying to say. Yep, yep. And, and, and what I mean by that is that in life, you have to be focused always because you can always get knocked down. And so that requires discipline. Um, that requires being surrounded by the right kind of people and, and being humble and always asking a little more of yourself. And I think also having a great relationship with God. So so as, as people, we're always trying to stay in balance, <laughs> keeping all those things in balance so that you can continue to have success and, and, and do the right things to be better. Love it. Let's wind down with three questions I've sourced from some friends of mine who all uh, who are all very familiar with you. Uh, first question is, what's your fondest memory of the 1992 Olympic Village? Wow. Man, I wasn't even thinking about wrestling. Can you imagine meeting Magic Johnson, <laughs> Carl Lewis, seeing Michael Jordan, all these NBA stars that you only see on television, that they're not real, and they're hanging out with you. Um, just the fact that you get to meet every sport, and it's one big family, that's the greatest memory. And then I would think about the, the food place where we had food. We went down escalators down into like a shopping center and every food you can think of, they had it available to us 24 seven. And I thought that, man, if they could bring, if they can come together for the Olympics and have this much food, we can wipe out hunger. That's mm. the thing that came to my mind. Wow. And, and knowing that wrestling, 
Well, wrestling's late in the Olympics too. So could you indulge early on? No, you just no, you just have to be patient. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you 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 have to watch your weight. And um, the other thing that I remember is that that really made a big impact on me is, I mean, if you're talking about the environment, is that when you left the village, you were like a super celebrity. You would be bombarded by, by people. Mm. If you had Olympic badge on, that was it. And then, of course, you know, you know, the competition itself, they, well, they're, they're the same guys that you see in the world championship, same guys. And it's like, man, you know, they had me being either number two, number three, after I beat the world champion, the Olympic gold medalist two weeks before, I, I could have won it. But man, you got to be perfect. You got to be perfect when the rest of the world is watching. Yep. Next question. Uh I wanted you to tell me this just so I can get some motivation to get my jumper jump rope routine back on. Hit us with a couple stats on like 10 minutes of jump roping equals how much swimming or how much running because it's so efficient. Well, guys, uh, real quick, when I was wrestling at the Olympic Training Center, in between the breaks before we had to practice, we had two practices a day. In between the breaks, I used to go to the USOC's library. And I researched everything there was about jump rope. And that's how I became an authority, learning about its application to every sport. And according to research, when this, this amazing exercise was broken down and analyzed, they found out that if you could sustain 10 minutes of jumping at a jump rope pace of two revolutions per second or 120 revolutions per minute, it could provide the same cardiovascular benefits as 30 minutes of jogging, two sets of tennis. 30 minutes of racquetball playing, 18 holes of golf, 12 minutes of swimming. Hmm. I don't know the comparison to wrestling because I don't think anything compares to our sport. But for the most part, that's, that's one of the studies that were done. But that study is kind of outdated. So I think that when you start jumping and you start doing high steps, crossing mm -hmm. your arms, then you burn even more calories. So I think you can't measure that. So it's a very efficient exercise. One of the most efficient ways uh, burning calories because it's a total body movement that incorporates every muscle from head to toe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's so, you know, I live in Chicago in an apartment, you know, it's not big, it's super small, so you can take it anywhere, you know, and it's, it's, it's not that expensive. So it's accessible to everyone. And, um, and buddy, I just want to say, thank you for being patient with your headphones. Your cauliflower ears have not been good. To you yeah. During this, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I hope you guys didn't get distracted, but, uh, no, you can't whether hear it. Whether hit the other head, uh, the earphones of these, I thought these would stand, but, if, um, for the, for the folks the listening, part, buddy's earbuds have fallen out about 15 times and he hasn't, <laughs> hasn't made a sound about it. Hasn't made a word about it. He's just pushed on through. So we appreciate that. Last yeah, question for you, you, sir. This podcast is called Wrestling Changed My Life Podcast. So the question to you, Buddy Lee, is how has wrestling changed your life? Wow. I'm still wrestling in life, guys. <laughs> it, it doesn't stop. Wrestling gives us the necessary tools to be able to survive this thing called life. Mm. Life is a journey when you finish this sport. And trust me, you're going to call on everything that you learn in this amazing sport. You will call on those life skills to get through in this thing called life, whether you're in relationships, whether you're in business, um, it doesn't make a difference. You use your wrestling skills. And um, how did this thing change my life? Um, 
I've been knocked down a few times. And man, let me tell you something. I don't believe it's anything, such thing as a loss. I believe it's a lesson, knowledge to become better. And so I'm fighting even harder to be even a better person. I still have dreams of being the best jump rope on the planet. My dream now is that I believe that I can sell a billion jump ropes. If I had it my way, wrestlers, I would give everybody a free jump rope, but I'm not that rich yet, like Bill Gates. <laughs> but I tell you what, I will offer all our wrestlers discounts. And if you call me up and stuff, uh, you're gonna, we're going to get a, a leave a discount code for this podcast, J-Rope 10. And Ram, I'm going to make sure you, you get a, your, your up-to-date Buddy Lee jump rope for, host, for having me on your show. But for the most part, Thank you. This, this is truly the greatest sport on the planet. Just like jump rope is the greatest exercise on the planet. Jump rope and wrestling, they go hand in hand, feet in feet. As John Smith, as some of the great wrestlers, they'll tell you, Bruce Baumgartner, all the great wrestlers from lightweight to heavyweight. This is your best training partner, your best friend. And let me tell you, you think you are wrestling? No, you're not wrestling. You guys are wrestling to become the next leaders of our society. We're gonna need you in our society. And this is what this sport is teaching you, mindset. When you go out there and you start looking for a job, there's gonna be no one who can compete with you. They don't have your mindset. They don't know what it's like to be a wrestler, the star, you know, and basically go against a guy that's supposed to be better than you and you end up beating them. Most people, they, they end up giving up. So what we do, we push beyond the barrier. And that's what life is. Reach your potential as a human being. And you're going to take that mindset to business and whatever, you, whatever else you do, and you're going to promote the sport because at the end of the day, people are going to hear that, wow, man, that guy used to be a wrestler. And that's how we promote our sport, by excelling in every arena in this society and becoming future leaders. So you know what? I'm still wrestling in life, man. I'm getting knocked down sometimes. I'm coming back three times harder. I come back with a, a, a new game plan. Man, Buddy Mine's, Lee, you got me fired up, man. Let's go. That's what this show is about, man. This show is about the bringing the past with the present and the future, man. And tell us, man, that we are grateful. This is, we should be honored. This, this sport is a gift because how can you learn so much about the self, man? This is a one-on-one -on -one sport. No team, just you and the other person. But it's not about, you know, you being better than anybody, man. You're just learning about how to be your best and reach your potential as a human being. And that's what you want in this life. And learning about balance, mind, body, and spirit working together as one. That's my message. That's it for this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. Thank you so much for tuning in, folks. As always, thank you to our sponsor, Spartan Combat. They're hosting a national tournament in Jacksonville, Florida, May 20th through the 23rd. You can register now at SpartanCombat.com. To watch the video interview of this episode, go to Wrestling Changed My Life on YouTube. You can also see the clips on Instagram and Twitter at Wrestling Changed My Life. That's it, folks. We'll see you next time.